church, there's people in this room, um, I guess all of us really, we don't really know how the Father feels about us. If you did, it would change the way you live. If, if I did, it would change the way we live. The Father is not looking for performing seals. He's looking for sons and daughters. And um, I just want to share a little word before we go into communion on the idea of recreate. Recreate. I hope this works. That was the t-shirt design. That was a treasure hunt. Scripture that I want to read to you is as follows. Matthew 6, sorry, Mark 6, verses 30 to 31. That's us doing, in a sense, what this scripture is teaching as a family. Last half term in Scotland on a secluded beach. It says in Mark 6, 30 to 31, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them this, listen church, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. How many people in this room need to get to a quiet place and get some rest? I, I, didn't, I think some of you may have not even noticed that in the scriptures. I'll mention where we are over the last 30 years in our society and how things shifted in the mid-90s and changed our world forever. But let me read that phrase again with you, with Jesus. Uh, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. The apostles had just been given power to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to cleanse the lepers, to raise the dead. Freely you've received, freely give. Off you go. Go and do what I've been doing. It says in the passage that they came back and gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that had been done. You know, in ministry or in life, when we are on our high points of celebration with all that we've done for God or all that we've achieved in life, it's very easy to get hooked on the adrenaline of success, hooked on what society celebrates, which is this sense of, look what I've done, God. Look what I've achieved, people around me. But you know, the most dangerous time for us as Christians is when we've done something great for God. Look at Elijah on Mount Carmel. He goes away to the desert, wants to take his own life, very common amongst God's leaders. And in scripture, Jesus too, went away to the desert after he was filled with the spirit. And the enemy goes for that which is successful. Anyone seen that in their journey? And so Jesus is teaching his team how to cope with the mountaintops and the valleys of the normal Christian experience. Guys, Jesus is saying, you cannot keep going, you cannot keep going, you cannot keep going on the adrenaline of productivity and think that that's okay. You have to learn the rhythms of grace, the rhythms of life, the rhythms of rest. You've got to learn to do it my way. Jesus wanted to teach his disciples to rest. Now, when I'm reading this scripture, I don't see the, 
the Mark, Mark, the gospel writer, saying, so Jesus said, wow, guys, you guys are awesome. Haven't you done so much? I'm so pleased with you. You are amazing, man, you charismatic heroes. It's like, it's a bit like Peter in the boat where he says, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. And Jesus completely ignores him. Isn't it great when a leader ignores you? <laughs> and Jesus looks at him with love and he, does, he just ignores his statement when Peter's in the boat in Luke's gospel, I'm a sinful man. Totally disregards it. I think that's what's going on here in Mark's gospel. Jesus, we've done amazing things just like you told us to. Jesus responds, <laughs> come away with me by yourselves and get some rest. Lads, that was my bit. <laughs> my little addition, gospel come to Steve. Ever been so busy that you don't even get chance to eat? I got some nods, and I'm not going to expose the people. I love you all, but Jesus loves you more. Some of you guys are really worn out. If Jesus was in this room, he'd say, get away by yourselves to a quiet place. Get some rest. I am not seeking human doings. I'm seeking human beings. There's an idol of productivity in your world that if you're not careful... You'll kill yourself on the stress. That's why Jesus' word says, in the last days, people's hearts would fail them through fear. The adrenaline of life, the fear of man, the keeping up with the Joneses, the performance orientated, I can do this better, the, the, the uh, scrutiny of public services, this watchdog, that watchdog, this person we're accountable and our people are like the guys in Egypt being told to make more bricks for the pharaoh but you got to do it with your own kit now work more hours for less pay to produce more and society has been squeezed and families are being squeezed and both parents have to go out to work now when I was a kid there was only Kathy Yates in this church and Jane Miller who were professional and that was a good thing, and I celebrate that, but can you see how culture has changed? Society has shifted, yet God's timeless word is essential for your well-being. Once upon a time... A very strong woodcutter asked for a job in a timber merchant, and he got it. The pay was really good, and so was the work condition. For those reasons, the woodcutter was determined to do his best. His boss gave him an axe and showed him the area where he was supposed to work. The first day, the woodcutter brought 18 trees Congratulations, the boss said. Go on that way. Keep it up. Very motivated by the boss's words, the woodcutter tried harder the next day. But he could only bring 15 trees. The third day, he tried even harder. But he could only bring 10 trees. Day after day, he was bringing less and less trees. I must be losing my strength, the woodcutter thought. 
And he went to the boss and apologized, saying that he could not understand what was going on. When was the last time you sharpened your axe? The boss asked. Sharpen? I have no time to sharpen. I have no time to sharpen my axe. I've been busy trying to cut trees. And here's the point, church. Our lives are like that. We sometimes get so busy that we don't even take time to sharpen the axe. In today's world, it seems that everyone is busier than ever, but less happy than ever. Why is that? Could it be that we've forgotten how to stay sharp? Could it be we've forgotten God's rhythms of life and the way God designed people to live? There's nothing wrong with activity and hard work, but we should not get so busy that we neglect the truly important things in life, like our personal life, taking time to get close to our creator, giving more time for our family, taking time to read and have fun. By the way, Jesus is behind all of that. We all need time to relax or chillax. We all need time to think and meditate, to learn and grow. If we don't take the time to sharpen the axe, we will become dull and lose our effectiveness. Now, there's a story in the Bible about the loss of a cutting edge. The hidden theme for you, the hidden takeout for you is how do you get your cutting edge back? Just like that woodcutter. 2 Kings 6 verses 1 to 7 reads like this. I've just got two of the verses up there, but I'm going to read all seven. The company of the prophets said to Elisha, look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let's go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole. And let us build a place for us to meet. And he said, go. Then one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? I will. Elisha replied, and he went with them. They went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe had fell into the water. Oh no, my Lord, he cried. It was borrowed. The man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed in the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Lift it out, Elisha said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. Here's the key point in that passage. There are many, but I'm going to just take out one. Sometimes we need to return to the place where we lost our cutting edge. Sometimes we need to return to the place where we lost our cutting edge. For many of us, the loss of effectiveness is in the place of overwork and a lack of rest. It's a huge cultural problem, even in the church. Remember what Jesus said in Mark 2:27. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, God instituted rest, guys, 
a rhythm of one day a week for you to recover strength to become able to do life well the following week. The context of Mark 2.27 was the disciples, how very dare they, walking in a field of grain and feeding their hungry bellies with the tops of the grain because that was not lawful in the law of the Jews. And the religious elite were saying, you can't do that. It's not lawful on the Sabbath. Jesus cuts across all societal conventions, all religious constraints and said, hold on a minute, guys, you've missed the spirit of the law. You're so bogged down in the letter of the law, you miss the heart of the love of God. You just do not understand it. You divide your, your dill and your mint and your cumin. And you put burdens on men's backs that they cannot contain and carry. You religious hypocrites, you whitewashed tombs. What are you doing to people? You liked pleasing people, of course, Jesus. He was very afraid to share his opinion. God is love. And he loves you. And if you're overworking, God does not condemn you, but he loves you. And he wants to make your rhythms of life healthy again. Put your hand in his today. Allow him to help you do that over time. I know it's complicated. But may we work on that together as a church family. We've probably got that wrong in so many areas. There's so much we could change. But we're learning. And we're moving. And we're trying to follow Jesus, who is the light of the world. And we'll never walk in darkness while we have him the light of life. Do you know in August 1994, I remember it. I remember the uproar on the news. 26th of August, 1994. Remember it to this day. The uproar and the outcry from the church and those traditionalists who saw that Sunday trading would be damaging for society. I remember it. I remember the happy day. I, I had such a happy childhood. I had such a happy childhood in the 1980s when there was snail mail and a beautiful primary school, now called Newfold, St. James's County Primary School back in the day. Happy, happy time. And then something of a shift happened in the 90s to where I see kids today put under more pressure than A-level students at the beginning of their high school. A shift happened, coincidental to Sunday trading laws. The year before, the internet was birthed, the World Wide Web. 30th of April, 1993, I remember dial-up. Do you remember that? In the internet suites at university. People spending a whole day downloading an image. But in with the internet came the electronic mail that killed the healthy, slow pace of life that we had in the 70s and 80s and before. You'll remember decades before. And so now people want, we carry our office in our pocket and people want a response now. Not in a week, not... Don't pretend this society isn't pressurizing you and your family. 
And don't pretend that it's against God's best for your life. I'm not asking you to go and buy a cabin in the woods and start getting your own water from a river. But I am saying, put your hand in Jesus and ask him how to fix, over time, the problem of the frenetic pace of life that you and your family have lived under probably for the last 30 years. A shift happened in the mid-1990s. To reset the balance, church, and I need to get onto communion, we need to adopt a biblical pattern for life, work, rest. Here's a point. We need to value rest as much as we value work. We need to value being as much as doing, perhaps more so, because the being is who you are. The doing is just what you do. We need to value knowing the Lord over working for the Lord. Let me make this point in John 15, 7. Jesus teaches us how to recover our cutting edge. And it appears really simple. To adopt the Sabbath which was made for you, not for religious purposes. And secondly, to prioritize one thing. And the key of that is in John 15, 7. Here's the key to a restful life, 15, 7 of John's gospel. Its parallel scripture is in Matthew eleven twenty nine, which I'll make a statement about ever so briefly now. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. You can learn from me and you can find rest from your souls. How, Jesus? If you are lowly and humble in heart. In other words, the rat race existence where people scrabble to get the next thing and be the best and the next promotion and this and that and the other. And they keep going like they're on a speeding train. Maybe it's not being led by the Spirit of God on all accounts. Some people are called by God to be promoted. The Bible says promotion comes neither from the east or the west, but it's the Lord's doing. And the Lord will promote where you have the capacity to contain it. But sometimes promotion comes from our own self-effort, our own grasping after more. We grasp after the wind. We take up a higher step. Dad said in the police force, there were people who were always promoted one rank above their competency because of who they knew or what they were in that place. I think it's the same everywhere. And somehow the child of God needs to find rest in the shelter of the Most High that is willing to allow the Lord to open the doors into the more. To be faithful where you are. The Bible says to be content with such things as you have, knowing that the Lord is your helper and therefore you're not to fear in terms of your own provision. Here's the scripture in John 15, 7, and we will move into communion shortly. Jesus said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. 
When I was a child, my parents had a prophetic word to move to where they are, and they were told that the place where they lived, they would be very fruitful. I remember them growing apple trees in our garden as a, amongst other things, as a symbol of that fruitfulness. I used to look at those apple trees as a kid, and I never used to see any of them, any of the branches, any of the apple. I mean, I, I know we can't really talk to trees, so we don't know. They might have been. Some people do. I not, never saw the branches doing this. Never have to try to produce. What does the branch need to do? It needs to remain attached. Here's the point. When we value his presence and we value his words as two priorities, everything else comes together. Out of deep connection with the Lord, we move from performing seal to rest in son or daughter. Do you know in the moment that Jesus is teaching restful discipleship, he institutes the Lord's Supper. It's in that moment he's teaching John 15, 7. He notes the centrality of the cross in our abiding lifestyle. Only by the blood of Jesus can we enter into intimacy with God. Only through the cross can we be adopted into God's family that contains his heavenly DNA. A peace-bringing, love-soaked family likeness that can only come from God. It was the peace that Jesus displayed in the storm while sleeping in the boat. It was the love that dipped his bread with his betrayer. It was the teaching that said this world will be full of trouble, but that his followers should take heart because he has overcome the world. All of that was said in the context of Jesus giving his discussion on restful discipleship. That if they abide in him and that they learn to rely on his words and take his words seriously, they will become productive. I think sometimes we've moved away from the source of his voice. We've moved away from the sense of his presence. We've moved away from obeying the last thing he said and wonder why he stopped speaking to us. And the Lord is calling us back to a place of simple obedience. If we don't do the things we know, why would he tell us more? And so when you come to the table today, and I know John and Caroline have asked people to step up and be stewards here, they'll bring this stuff to you. Your prayers, I believe, should be on restoring your intimacy with the Lord. So you can learn to live in the rhythms of his grace, not just obeying the Sabbath, but prioritizing being overdoing, prioritizing him over your work for him. And then out of that intimacy in your working life, in your family life, in your church service, the Lord will birth things like the fruit from a tree. Amen.